It's as easy as jumping out of a plane. It's the Your Life Lived Well podcast with Dr. Kevin Payne. Welcome. So I had another topic all lined up to, to do today, and it's something we're going to come back to later on, but yesterday I was having a conversation with a young man who had just been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and he was beside himself. And for those of us who have been diagnosed and have lived with it for a long time, uh, we still remember vividly exactly what the experience of that diagnosis was like, because it, it is earth-shattering. It's soul-crushing. And, and he was still right in the middle of that, and he was um, just, you know, going on about, you know, he's going to end up in a wheelchair, he's going to lose his job, he can't support his little kids, and, and all these things. And not diminishing any of that, you know, in any way. The, the emotional response is real, but... You know, I decided that that for this recording, I wanted to talk about, you know, what do we do when when we're we're saying help? I've just been diagnosed. You know, I I wanted to just you know take that young man in a big bear hug and and say, you know, it's going to be better than you think it's going to be right now. And of course, we're keeping physical distance from one another, so I did not, but. Uh, nevertheless, that was, you know, that was my response. I just wanted to be, you know, comforting and and to say it's going to be better than you think. And and notice how I phrased that. I didn't say it's going to be okay. I, I, I said it's going to be better than you think. Uh, you know, with, with any of our chronic health diagnoses, we're going to have some bad days. Uh, but there are a lot more good days ahead of you than you can believe sometimes. So I, you know, yesterday evening, I was, I was kind of walking myself back through my experience and, and thinking about, well, what did I want to know <laughs> at that time? You know, this is something that, that I've talked with a lot of people about over the years, and, and it's something that I frequently give advice about, so I thought, let's do a podcast episode. So, you know, I can remember vividly when I was diagnosed. I've mentioned it, uh, you know, before on the podcast. Uh, you know, in my case, in my case, multiple sclerosis had been ruled out already, so it was a big surprise. And, and honestly, when I was diagnosed, you know, initially I, I felt worse for my physician who was looking at me so embarrassed because he had ruled this out before. And, uh, you know, he was, he, was, he was really chagrined that his office hadn't followed up on, on the tests and everything. So I really, I really felt for the guy at the time. <laughs> but... Um, what, what this young man yesterday was doing is, is called catastrophizing, okay? So it comes from the word catastrophe, right? So it's when mentally and emotionally we're turning some event into 
a catastrophe. And don't get me wrong, getting a diagnosis that you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life and that's going to impact every aspect of your life sucks. Sucks beyond the telling. However, we also now have information and and we can use that information and we can make some adjustments in our lives. So, yeah, I have, you know, all the, the fears that sometimes run through my mind that this young man had. You know, what if I'm in a wheelchair? What if my brain doesn't work? What if, and you know, in the couple of decades that I've lived with MS now, I've, I've, I've had exacerbations where my legs didn't work. And I've had exacerbations when my brain didn't work. And I've had the fears that, oh my gosh, this is going to be the time when it's gotten worse and it's not going to get better. So all those fears are natural. But you know what? I've also been through, you know, I had, I had a list before I was diagnosed of the things that I feared most in my life. And there, there were, you know, other than something happening to my kids, there were, there were, there were always three long-term fears. One that somehow my brain would stop working the way it has, because you know I, I make my living with my brain, and if I if I can't think, I can't make a living, and that happened. And you know I had a fear that I wouldn't handle it very well, and you know what I didn't. And that happened. And I had a fear that I would be alone, that the people I loved the most would just wash their hands of me and walk away. And that happened. And you know what? I survived. And it's okay. And I figured out ways to deal with all of those things. And you know what? It's better than I thought it would be. I found ways to adapt and to make a life that is different than I expected, but I hope nevertheless valuable and meaningful and and hopeful in a lot of ways. So when we catastrophize, as this young man was doing, we tend to you know, this is this is this is a fear response, right? This is when your inner cave child is just ah, right? It's it, and and it happens generally in response to three things. So one, it's a fear response. It's something that we are anticipating something really negative that's coming down the the barrel at us that we can't avoid, and it happens when that new information is in regard to something we highly value, okay? So with a chronic illness, it's, this is right at the core of your life, right? So you can't get much more valuable than that. So that automatically ups the emotional stakes. And the third thing that we're responding to when we're catastrophizing is ambiguity, and with, with any chronic illness, we suddenly have a giant, ambiguous blob in the middle of our future. Part of it's going to be out of our control. All of these things are ripe 
for inducing this kind of catastrophic response. And, and we have to realize that when we get diagnosed, it's really emotionally charged. That first thing that we need to do is calm ourselves. And, and again, I'm, you know, I'm not minimizing the response, right? Because the response has to be acknowledged and it has to be respected because this is, this is a part of you that's doing its darndest to try to protect you, right? It's, it's fearful, and there's reason to be. There's a real reason to be. But there's also not a reason to make it the end of your world. Even if you've got a chronic health diagnosis that says you've only got a few months to live, you still have a few months to live. And that's the important thing. So in regards to this calming yourself, you know, you need to, you know, ask yourself, you know, right when you get that diagnosis, do you need a second opinion or a third opinion, right? Um, You know, is the diagnosis clear and sensible? Does it fit with, with what you understand you've been experiencing, Right. I mean, does it make sense? And, and don't be afraid of getting that second opinion, that third opinion, because sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes it takes a fourth or a fifth, because some of these conditions are diagnoses of exclusion. There, there are a lot of overlapping symptoms that, uh, you know, have to be deciphered, and, and all of that's important. And remember, the, the key thing here is that you feel like you've gotten some good, actionable information to help plan, you know, your future, right? So, one of the first things you have to understand here is that you are still you. You are not suddenly your diagnosis, don't define yourself as a, you know, like in my case, an MS patient. All right. I, I, you know, I'm always very careful to say I'm living with MS. And that seems like a, a petty little picky distinction, but it's not. It's, it's, it makes me the center of my identity and not my diagnosis. So you are still you. You may have a diagnosis, but don't withdraw from your life. You, you still have a, You have to walk out of that physician's office and step back into your life. And, and yes, are there things that you're going to have to change and adapt and, and uh, you know, make space for? Sure. But you now have useful information to plan your future. A diagnosis, no matter how awful it is, is always better than not knowing. Your future, no matter how dark it seems at this moment, is not yet written. And I'm going to let you ponder on that for a moment while we take a break. We all have challenges. Mine is multiple sclerosis. We each have this one life, and we didn't choose to be saddled with chronic illness. But there's a better way. 
So I choose to just jump. And you can too. It's your life. Live it well. Justjump.life. And we're back. And you had just been diagnosed. And your fear response had kicked in because that's what it does. And you may already be grieving some of these anticipated losses, right? And, and so there's, there's this emotional maelstrom that's, that's, you know, just swirling all through you. And, and, and it's capricious and it goes everywhere and other people can't see it. And, and for, for other people and for your physician even, you've got a diagnosis that's like, okay, and that's the end of that story, Right. But for you, it's just the beginning of this story. Except other people don't understand that they're like, oh, okay, you got a diagnosis. Now you'll take a pill, now you'll do something, and yada, 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 and you'll go back to your normal life. Well, no, you're going to go back to your life, but you're going to have to go back to a life that is somehow changed and that accommodates, uh, you know, your understanding of these new concerns. So... You've got, you've got the fear and the anxiety and the depression and the numbness and the overwhelm and all kinds of other conflicted emotions going on. And these are all acute responses. These, these aren't helpful in the long term. Now, you know, again, that's neither here nor there on the one hand because you're still going to have to deal with them. But, but these are all short-term acute responses and and what we're dealing with here chronic illness is a marathon it isn't a sprint it requires different preparation and different training and and all of those things right so understand that this is going to happen and that it is completely natural and that you can't dismiss it, you can't shove it down, you can't ignore it. You've, you've got to go through this and find some place for it in your life that, that you can continue to function with. And, and you know, that's, that's getting whatever help you need at this point. That's, that's supportive friends and family. It may be, you know, therapeutic, clinical counseling, social worker, you know, some other kind of mental health support. Uh, and, but, but this is part of it, and this has to be accepted and it has to be acknowledged. Maybe meditate. Maybe take up journaling. You know, I'm, I'm, we'll do an episode on meditation here sometime. I am a, a long-term devotee. I started meditating in the 80s. I mean, it's like 35 years now I've been meditating. And, uh, you know, there have been times in my life when it's kind of slacked off and I, the quality of my life has dropped. <laughs> and so it's, it's just, it is something that is a part of every day for me. And, uh, you know, since I've been diagnosed, it's, it's you know, I use it as, as an opportunity to to practice that kind of self-care and, and observance. Uh, and I also use it as an opportunity to take stock of what's going on in my body 
every day so that I know what I have to work with. And that's how I determine, you know, my A, A days and B days and C days and so forth. That's like, you know, I start with that meditation. You may take up journaling. You know, there's a, there's a, a massive amount of evidence out there that says when we write it down and, and get it out of just our mind into some concrete physical representation, when we get our emotions and our experiences out there, so that we can look at them, there is a world of mental health benefits to this. Because we can, we can, by looking at it on the page and not experiencing it in our heads, we can get a little bit of distance and perspective that we don't otherwise get. Now, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate in, you know, I do this. This is what I do for a living. So I write about these issues all the time. And uh, that's, you know, but, but take up journaling. And it doesn't have to be a big serious thing. It's you, you write a couple of sentences out. How am I feeling today? You know, what are my emotions today? What, what are my physical symptoms today? Blah, blah, blah. And, and just keep it so that you can, because our memories are notoriously unreliable, Right. So, so now we can go back and see, oh, yeah, this is exactly what was going on a week ago or a month ago or whatever. And, and that's going to be really important for what I'm going to talk about here in, in a second in, in the rest of this segment. Um, so you might meditate, you might journal, definitely include regular self-care, okay? And self-care is one of those, those you know, uh, Hippy dippy woo woo kind of terms that that <laughs> bug me a little bit, but it, it's really important. It's true. I, there are some terms that just set my teeth on edge, and that's just one of them. But but it's a really important concept because we we don't take care of ourselves very well. And and what do I mean by this? I mean know your happy place and go there regularly. You don't have to be there all that, but go there regularly. You know, it's like. This time of year, the weather is kind of sketchy, so, you know, fortunately, earlier in the week, we had a really nice weather day, so, you know, I was out jumping out of airplanes, and because <laughs> it's what I do on, on a nice day, because that's my happy place, and tomorrow is going to be really nice, so I'm going to be jumping out of airplanes, because that's what I do for self-care, <laughs> I know, People think, oh yeah, putting your life at risk is self-care. No, it really is. It's it, because it's it is a happy place for me. And wherever yours is, make time for that in your life. So you're dealing with the emotional stuff. You're you're going to calm yourself. You're also going to educate yourself. I mean, that's the next thing. Most of us aren't medical experts, and if even if we are, we're probably not already specialists in the thing that we've got. So that means we have to find reliable sources of information. And on the Internet, every source can look authoritative, okay? So we need to start with medical information right? And 
this is so important that I, you know, I'm not going to go through like links and stuff here in in the podcast, but I will do a blog post and I'll put it on yourlifelivedwell.co and uh, I will add that link in the show notes so that you can uh, have some good places to start. But you have to start with the core medical sources and work outward. So, you know, it's going to be places like the National Institutes of Health, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, um, the Department of Health and Human Services, National Health Services in the U.K., Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, you know, et cetera, right? So it's going to be, you know, these, because you have to start with the scientific and medical consensus. That's how science works, right? We don't get it right out of the bat all, you know, off the bat all the time, but the method makes it science. And that's what's different about science and every other way of, of knowing the world. Science is humble. Science is cautious. Science is self-correcting over time. Bad science, of course, is none of those things. But that's why it's important that science is done by a community and that we are critical of one another. So there's a great motivation when we're diagnosed to jump on flaky cures. And it's because we're scared, right? And, and it's right for us to be scared. But there's a reason why the flaky cures are not mainstream. And it's not because there's this vast conspiracy that sees you as a profit center and they want to keep bilking you for your medical costs. That's not what it is. So start with these kinds of sources so that you have a good, solid understanding of Right now, at this point in time, what do we think medically is going on in your body? You also are going to want to find reliable support organizations. And there are tons of them now. And that is, that is you know, I, I, I would say there has never been a better time in history to live with a chronic health condition. There simply isn't. And, and, and so, you know, there are foundations and nonprofits that are devoted to almost every condition. And if there isn't one specifically devoted to your condition, then there are foundations and nonprofits that are devoted to that kind of condition or that family of condition or to what are called orphan conditions, right? So all of this is really important. So find them. And, and connect with them let, and contact them and let them know that you are out there and, and get on whatever lists and, you know, that they have. Just raise your hand and say, I want whatever help you can provide, right? Because they don't know if you don't do that. And then you also are going to be looking for networks, you know, local networks, for face-to-face meetups and, and virtual networks because you need to know that you're not alone. That is so crucial to have a community. We are social animals. So we're going to look at social media. We're going to look at forums. We're going to look for local and virtual meetups. And, and the one caveat to all of this is that I want you to remember that 
in those networks, especially those that are online, the loudest voices tend to be the extreme outliers. So, and especially on the, na- on the low tail of the distribution. So the ones who are having the most trouble. The vast majority of people are, are not, you know, they're, they're, they're consuming, they're observing, they're maybe occasionally commenting, but they're not broadcasting. Okay? So, so keep that in mind, because if you, if you think that the loudest voices are the typical cases, that can probably contribute to the more catastrophizing, uh, and, and that's not good. Right? So... We're going to calm ourselves, we're going to educate ourselves, and after the break, we're going to jump into a third thing that we need to do right after we're diagnosed. I'm Dr. Kevin Payne. Just jump with me into your life lived well. Half of us now live with chronic illness. Mine is multiple sclerosis. It's your life. Live it well. A chronic diagnosis doesn't mean goodbye to the good life you wanted. You don't have to feel overwhelmed or hopeless. I'll show you how to save yourself. Take your first step at justjump.life. And we're back. And we're getting home. And we're educating ourselves. And educating ourselves is not just about finding good sources. And, and building on those, but it's also educating yourself about yourself. Most of the time, humans are on autopilot, and we really don't pay attention to ourselves or what we're doing or how we're feeling, and, and because things are within normal operating parameters. But now, with the chronic health condition, we have to become better observers and recorders of our own condition. It's very Socratic. You have to live the examined life. <laughs> we, we've got to notice the patterns in our own life because it can make a difference in the quality of life that we live. So... One of the reasons why this is so important is because, you know, the old-fashioned model of medicine was the physician as kind of the sage coming down from the mountaintop, you know, pronouncing things upon you, and, and yeah, and then and you just said, okay, and, and went off and did your thing, right? Exactly what they told you to do. That's not the best way to provide medical care. Medical care is best when it's done as a collaborative team. Now, that doesn't mean that you are the medical expert all of a sudden. What it does mean is a couple of things. One, you are the expert on the condition, on the experience of living your condition right? You know your symptoms better than anyone else. Now, that also means there are a lot of cognitive biases and things like that that we have to become more aware of so that we can be 
a reliable partner in our own care. I know that sucks, but <laughs> but if you want your medical team to, to treat you seriously, you have to be serious about it. You have to earn that place. And you know why? Because they don't know you. They have hundreds or thousands of patients that, that come through their offices every year. And many, many, many of them are medically non-adherent. Many of them are not doing things well. And you, they have to understand that you are not one of those people. Okay? They have to understand that, yes, you are a, a serious, reliable partner in your own care. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect about it. I mean, we all have issues with medical compliance and, and things like that. I mean, that's, that's not the issue. We're human. But if you want your medical team to treat you as a partner, then... Be a really good observer for them, because if you can come in and provide them with the information they need, then you're going to leave more time in that very limited, timed opportunity that you have face-to-face with them for them to help deal with what you need, right? So you're going to go in you're with, with a lot of good observations. You're going to go in with... Um, you know, here are the things that I know they're going to want to know from me. Write them out if you have to, right? And, and have them ready to go so that you can provide the information they need. Have your questions that you need answered top of mind written out, ready to go, right? Because people lie, and the medical professionals know this, and you can be a trusted partner if you're providing good information. You are the one who's going to benefit from this. They're not. They're still going to clock in and clock out and get paid. You need to get the most value from the time that you have with your medical team. The last thing that we have to uh, get educated on, I'm not going to go into uh, uh, a lot with this one, uh, but most of our challenges aren't directly medical. You know, as, we talked, as we've talked about, you know, they're emotional and behavioral and social and all those things. So we really need to become better students of a life lived well. And, you know, fortunately, that's what I'm here to help with. <laughs> so, so, you know, we're, we're calming ourselves, we're educating ourselves, and the third thing we're doing is preparing ourselves. We're preparing ourselves, our networks, and our environments. Okay. So now that you know what you're up against, right, it's never going to get easier. So prepare now, right? Make a space in your life for your condition, its needs, its demands, you know? Just make that place. You're going to, you're going to prepare yourself by, by saying, okay, what do I need to succeed with this challenge, right? So, you know, look at your life the way it is right now and look at your life operating well with this condition. And what do you need to succeed with that challenge? It's going to be different things. I mean, you know, for me, 
part of it is is uh, how I schedule myself so that I know you know when I have when I have activities and recovery time on the other side it's it's making sure that I have uh, you know my my nutritional and movement needs and and those sorts of things planned out and ready to go it's it's you know I know that okay I'm going to it's often, I know I'm going to be doing this activity and that's going to be challenging for me in some way or another. Like say, for example, and I'm out somewhere in the summertime and it's hot and I know that if I get overheated, my legs are going to go wonky. So I may need to bring like a collapsible stool with me or something so that I know that wherever I am, if my legs stop working, I'm going to have a place to sit. I may want to scout out the area beforehand and, and know where some shady parts are. Um, you know, I, I, I will bring water with me to make sure that I keep hydrated. I mean, th- those are all those things because I know I, I need to do that. You're going to prepare yourself for medical adherence, okay? So, you know, how am I going to take my meds? How am I going to get my appointments, et cetera, et cetera? You're going to prepare yourself with nutrition and movement and sleep and rest and stress and emotional management and, and putting a buffer or slack, you know, for downtime within your life. You know, all those health basics are now much more important for you than everybody else because you're now working from a disadvantage. You got to run the same race as everybody else. But, but now you're starting from 50 yards back. So you have to give your body every possible advantage to counterbalance this thing that you're dealing with. And I know that sucks, but okay. What, what other option do you have? You know, you can, you can live a sucky life. Don't do that. Just don't. Refuse to do that. And part of it is preparing yourself. It's also preparing your network. So out of all the people that you know, you need to sit down and think who needs to know this. Who needs to know? And, and then you need to sit down and have those conversations with the people who do need to know. And... You know, when you're making those decisions, uh, you know, what are the consequences of disclosure with these people? Because, you know, it's going to turn out that, that some people in your life, and boy, I can tell you this from my personal experience and from, you know, the hundreds and thousands of people that I've talked to over the years, sometimes there are going to be some people in your life that surprise you with how they step up. And they are going to be some people that it's going to be really crushing the way that they don't. So it's not just preparing you, it's preparing your network as well. And it's preparing your environment. And I mean, you know, your physical environment, your social environment, your cultural and informational environment, all that stuff, right? So, you know, with my physical environment, then... You know, I arrange my house so that I minimize how often I have to use stairs, right? Because stairs, especially like if I'm tired, 
can get kind of dicey for me. I, I make sure that my, in my environment, it's easy for me to do the things that I need to do. So sometimes that means that I have to be less cluttered than I would like to be so that I'm not spending time when I'm overwhelmed and my symptoms are acting up searching for something because you know how frustrating that is. So it's about preparing the environment for you to be better adapted in. And, and sometimes that's going to be, you know, physical accommodation and, and physical adaptation. And cool, you know, maybe you want to have, there's, there's one of the bathrooms in my house that I don't use the shower in because it would be easy for me to fall in. And so I use one of the others, right? And, you know, that it may be you want to install bars or, or something like that, Some, you know, something to hang on to. Uh, and it's going to be different for for different conditions, but but how can you adapt your environment? And you know, and in social environment, you know, who who are you hanging around, and and are they the kind of supportive people that that are are nourishing for you or not? Your cultural and informational environment, are you taking in the right information? Just, you know, say no to the medical conspiracy theories and those things, and just don't. Um, take in good quality information and, and build your decisions on those things. Remember, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And you learn as you go. And some of these things are going to be, you're not going to get the, the right answer for you out of the box. So, you're going to adapt. You're going to try something different. And while you're thinking about those things, we'll take a break here and we'll come back with some, a few concrete takeaways. We all have challenges. Mine is multiple sclerosis. We each have this one life. And we didn't choose to be saddled with chronic illness. But there's a better way. So I choose to just jump, and you can too. It's your life. Live it well. Justjump.life And we're back for a final segment. Uh, we're going to summarize and give you some concrete takeaways here. And we're talking about how we respond when somebody says, Oh, you've got this life-altering, maybe life-threatening condition that's never going to go away. Or maybe not going to go away for months or years, if ever. And, you know, first we're going to acknowledge that it's going to be an emotional roller coaster. And we're not going to diminish that response and we're not going to squash it or try to ignore it or anything like that, but we are going to work to calm ourselves and to realize that when we're in that state, our perspectives shrink down to the here and the now and the very concrete. 
And that's only a little tiny part of your life. And if you live in that mode all the time, then you find that that your future self gets kind of grumpy with you. <laughs> so it, it it's, you know, calming ourselves is, is not just about the immediate emotional storm, but it's about putting ourselves in a perspective, in a place that we can go forward on decisions that our future self is going to thank us for. We're going to do that. Then we're going to educate ourselves. And we're going to start with, you know, the scientific consensus, with the medical consensus. And, and that's going to be a really good place because then that, that uh, fine-tunes our BS detectors, Right? And, and we can say, you know, somebody comes along with this other thing that that's, seems to fly completely in the face of, of everything that we know. You can say, mm, nah, not so much. And, and uh, that's important because there will be some people who will come at you with ludicrous suggestions that are completely well-meaning. And they are, as my grandmother would have said, bless their hearts. <laughs> and then there are people who will come at you with these absolutely ludicrous suggestions for nefarious reasons because they're looking to somehow take advantage of you and others with your condition. So, unfortunately, that is the world we live in and some people are just predatory. So you're educating yourself as self-defense as well. And and that means that you can't afford to build on sketchy sources. Right? And then you're going to prepare yourself and your network and your environment. And because part of educating ourselves is educating ourselves about ourselves and we're learning to become better observers of ourselves, that's going to help us refine how we prepare our environments and how we prepare our network and so forth, right? So, uh, you know, again, I will add a post, you know, on Your Life Lived Well uh, with a checklist and with some links uh, for you to use. Uh, and, and I'll put the link to that page in the show notes here. And even if you've been living with your condition for a while, there'll be some things here that will be worth you looking at. So, uh, please do. One of the important things that you need to keep in mind when you are adjusting to this new diagnosis is don't lose yourself in all the new additional concerns that have been added into your life. Okay? Your life still goes on. I mean, you, you, you walk out of that, that doctor's office and you've just had this monumental, life-changing, earth-shattering information dropped into your lap. And yet you walk out into the same world that you, walk, that you came from. And, and now you're 
so different, but nobody else is. And and you still have the same concerns. You still have the same hopes and dreams and loves and and all of those things in your life. Don't ignore them. Don't lose sight of them. Don't let them slip away. Don't become so micro-focused on this condition that you lose those things that make your life worthwhile. Those are the things that you can hang on to. Those are the things that give you value, that, that give you meaning and motivation, and, and all those things are important. Now, some of those things may have to change, right? Okay, you know, years ago, I used to, you know, like to do, there, there's certain things that, you know, so I went back to skydiving, right? I, I probably won't go back to skiing because my balance gets really sketchy. I mean, with skydiving, I'm falling anyway, so I can just fall with style, right? <laughs> but, but with skiing, you know, my balance can get sketchy and I, I don't necessarily trust it. Uh, I, you know, I don't, probably won't go back to rock climbing because uh, my grip can, you know, suddenly just kind of go on me. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm 60 feet up the side of a cliff, then oops, that's bad. So, so you know, there, there are some things that I won't go back to, but, uh, you know, I can find new things and new ways. And, and, you know, I've literally really thrown myself into skydiving here because it, it's something that I can do. And I, 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 you know, as I said, I'd rather fall with style. So don't lose yourself and, and realize that you may have to get creative. You may have to get a little different. You may have to adapt in some ways, but you're still you and you can still do stuff that will surprise you. And you're still going to have a lot more better days than you believe in this moment. So that's going to be an opportunity for you to become more proactive and plan for contingencies now. You know, like I do with my A, B, and C days, right? I've got my plan A days, which is best case scenario. that I get everything done during that day that I could have hoped to have gotten out of the day. I literally sucked the marrow from life, right? Then I got plan B days. And Plan B days are, are pretty good days, and and I've getting a lot done, and and by most people's standards, that would be you know a good day, right? And then I have Plan C days, and Plan C days are when things are just so awful and overwhelming that I need to make sure that I come out of the day with the minimum value or progress or effort that that can make me feel all right about myself and and launch me into the next day which will hopefully be better so you know be proactive plan and 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 realize that you're going to have some bad days and you're going to have some good days too um become really aware of who is running your inner show 
because we, we've got, and this, this is actually chapter two of my book, uh, but uh, uh, we are not, yeah, and, and the book is Your Life Lived Well, right? Because we're, we're bringing all the branding together, right? Everything is Your Life Lived Well. But uh, we are, we, you know, we, we, we have this, this mistaken idea that you are a unified, unitary you in your head. Your identity is, you know, this kind of like the, the, the little guy, uh, you know, behind the eyes who's driving your bus. And, and that's not really what it is. We're, we are a society of mind. And our identity, you know, we've, we've got lots and lots and lots of, of, of voices in there with different agendas and different perspectives and different ways of valuing the world. And identity is the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves as we're trying to make sense of all of these different voices and reconcile something. So sometimes your inner cave child is driving the bus. And your inner cave child is is young and not very informed and kind of cranky and fearful and and lots of things like that. And that's the person, you know, that's your voice, that's your, you know, that's where your fear response is, that's that's what's driving when you see this immediate acute existential threat in front of you. And he really knew what he was doing um on the savannah if it was a saber-toothed tiger and and could save you. He would run like the Dickens, get out of the way. But he's not real good at solving modern problems. So we have to kind of assuage him and pat him on the head and calm him down and get him out of the way so that other parts of ourselves can get behind the wheel, right? So know who's running your show. Remember... Calm, educate, prepare, right? These are going to be watchwords. These are going to be things that you don't do, just do once. You're going to keep coming back to them. And finally, you know, in this episode, we've talked about my diagnosis story. We've talked about, uh, you know, the young man that, that I was talking to and some others who I've, who I've uh, you know, tried to help along the way. I want to know your diagnosis story. And I want to know how you responded. So uh, go to Your Life Lived Well, uh, you know, on social media. And, uh, you know, we've got a Facebook page. We've got Twitter. We've got Instagram, whatever you prefer. And, and share your story. And let's have a conversation and let others know that we're all dealing with a lot of the very same issues and that even if your first response to your diagnosis is to catastrophize, that's not bad. That's normal. It's human. And, and it's okay for us to be human. Thank you so much for spending your time with me here. And I hope that you, between now and next time, go forth, be well, do well, and do good. Try to join the conversation at Your Life Lived Well on all of your favorite social media sites, Patreon, and of course, yourlifelivedwell.co. 
Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.